Have a nice life. I'm in pain. It's your boy, DJ. I'm still DJ Spookums. Oh. I feel like this month I'm DJ Spookums. Retaining. And this is DJ. DJ Candies Corns. Take two. This is DJ. <laughs> That's rude. DJ Pumpkin Pie. There you go. I'll be sipping your coffee into the mic. Also, this is a Disney podcast. Something like that. As usual, we start out every episode with a question. We do. A question that you have prepared today. I have. So, this question comes from one of our lovely subscribers. Well, you were reading comments? I was reading comments. And uh, it was it was worded in an interesting way, but I think I canned it down in a nutshell, if you will, of what it is asking. Okay, well, hit me with it. What era or period of time do you think Disney needs to, like, tap on? Ooh. What do they need to make a movie for? Because they've done a lot. They've done a lot from, you know. They've covered a lot of ground. Dinosaurs to post-apocalypse. So Post-apocalypse? We have Wally. Oh. Come on now. So mm. they've covered a very large time period obviously but they haven't hit everything okay do you have an answer prepared i do of course i do my answer is ancient egypt (laughs) you know that is true they haven't hit it and i think it'd be dope like if they did some weird like gods and pharaohs and all that cool shit that would be some Osiris shit that would be dope. I mean, it's it's got to be tough, but I feel like if they mm. can water down Greek mythology enough, they can do the same. Yeah, that's what Egyptian. I'm thinking. They could totally make it into some fun tongue in cheek thing. Like they there's did. just a lot of like baby sacrifices and stuff. In uh, Greek mythology, is a lot of all the fucked up shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. They were able to get it with that and still do fun, like quippy jokes about how got fucked away up with the gods were. So much as they just never said anything about. It. Well, I feel like there were some fun written uh, jokes about the mythos, mm-hmm. and I felt like if I feel you like didn't know Greek mythology would have gotten it. It 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 definitely would need to be the way Hercules functioned in that like it took place in this ancient time period. But everybody had this very smarmy modern personality. Well, that's, that's what I'm like talking self-aware about. It's like they're it. yeah, they're making fun of themselves. Right. That's it would have to be those. you know drenched in satire, I guess. You know, and not don't try to give me a prince of Egypt because that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> you better not try to sneak in Jesus. <laughs> don't be trying to do a fucking sea of blood or locusts. All right, we're not. We could that. we could drop jokes about it. <laughs> but don't actually give it to us. If you're talking about like a, an animated Disney Life of Brian situation, then I'm I'm all in for that. <laughs> that that like that film's message is like poignant enough to where I feel like it should be taught to children. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to, um, and I'm saying this too because those are my those were two of my favorite like little time periods when i was younger i was really interested in greek mythology and in ancient egyptian mythology if you will uh i had a lot of fun little books and stuff that went into exploring that when like whenever there was like an ancient egypt exhibit like i remember it was a big thing they were doing this big king tut thing in the seattle museum one year when i went and i was so fucking stoked and it was really cool it was really cool they had this like old ass uh, sarcophagus am I saying that right? sarcophagus 
Sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Oh, God, it's a hard word. But yeah, they had some old shit. And it was like all these new discoveries they had done and all really fun information on different hieroglyphs. And it was it was just really cool. Good idea. Still haven't thought of mine. Mm-hmm. I have another one, but I don't want to steal yours because it feels like it's something that's more like your shit. It's in... And, um, Bayard Brown, I believe, is the one that asked us this question. Um, they brought up a good point, too, that it's hard to think of one. It took me a minute to think of that one. Uh-huh. But once you think of one, you think of, like, one or two more. <laughs> Most people wouldn't even consider it because I think a lot of people did sort of, you know, peripherally read Prince of Egypt as, oh, that's Disney covering Egypt. Yeah, and it's not because that's just DreamWorks. So don't try to throw that shit at me. And it's not covering Egypt. It's just a bunch of... It's Bible story. It's not covering Egypt at all. Except for the fact that pharaohs did some whack shit when they were phrasing things. Because that's true. Anything bubbling and brewing in there? Yeah. I'm sure if you gave me time, I could come up with something better. But for some reason, what's sticking in my head right now is... See, like when Disney movies were being made in in the 60s like 60s and 70s i don't feel like they had a lot of movies that were portraying the 60s and 70s there wasn't a lot of modern day things happening there i feel like 101 dalmatians really portrayed the 60s pretty well Uh uh-huh um as far as 70s go i'm just saying like in those time periods they didn't do a whole lot to reflect i guess like the culture of that time so okay. I I feel like 60s to 90s essentially are like period enough to where you could do something that, that focuses on one of those eras and it and it be kind of clever. But for some reason what I've honed in on in my head was like Italy in the late 70s to early 80s because How interesting. just based on like their their the their films and their music of the time was there were very much a, a a very specific crazy thing happening very at that noir, time. funky there's just like a lot of quirky personality to like specifically the output of italy <laughs> that's <laughs> such a fun answer and ridiculous um i mean you think of like how nuts like filmmaking and like italo disco was oh and and the fashions yeah the fashions that came out of italy at that time were just studio 54 couldn't even compare honestly (laughs) and um if he's not dead yet we could get giorgio moroder to do the soundtrack oh (laughs) i don't think he's dead he was just in that daft punk album yeah i don't think he's dead okay um if you're dead i'm sorry r.i.p if you're dead um uh r.i.p if you're dead r.i.p if you're dead <laughs> i mean it could also be like i feel like this is a um wider question you could we could also do a group like a subculture answer you know a cyber goth movie no see you know I, what I mean like I give me steampunky area area era that's definitely whatever. one of the first things that came to mind of course what was some kind of uh grungy dirty some kind of punk subtracted thing like a a, a fictional time period essentially but to be fair disney has in their own unintentional way they have sort of covered some ground in steampunk and diesel punk they just didn't really know exactly what What they they were were doing doing at the time yeah um which doesn't mean like they can't do it anymore, but I I wanted to come up with something. Yeah, Atlantis felt... kind of touched a little bit on that. Oh, definitely. But I wanted to come up with something that was as far removed from what they've done so far. I guess. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd just be cool. It would be pretty. It'd be like colorful and. And if they did it in the style that they did, like, 101 Dalmatians, because that's how I, like, always think of the 60s, is is a very specific animation style. Uh-huh. You know, it's, like, very, like, boppy and lots of, like, 
little trails across the screen with like boop 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 boop. For well, sure, yeah. Line and dot and line and dot. I always think of picture, the movie. Picture, picture, picture. I was thinking of the movie Charlie. Did you ever see that? No, I never saw that movie. It was a very odd adaptation of Flowers for Algernon, and um, you like you know that story, right? Yeah, I did the play. Okay, so tragic. <laughs> the, well, there's this sequence where, like, this is after Charlie has has gone. He's he's peaked you know regular intelligence man but he kind of flies off the handle and their their way of depicting him just like going nuts and like reverting back to simple charlie is very like trippy and silly and it and it it just feels like this montage of very stereotypical 60s like video them, editing techniques. They them in red or something? There's lots of just wacky lighting, just cutaways to things. It's like probably what they show you in like a film class of some kind that like Andy Warhol made or something. <laughs> um, there's just like, they'll cut to people dancing for no reason. They cut to like him on a motorcycle and he's like, yo, what's up? And it's like yeah. none of this is really happening and stuff. The the era, like this, that era very much had a lot of like, it was just fast. It was like clips, montages, and that it reflected in their animation a lot. And it's actually one of my favorite eras of animation because specifically 101 Dalmatians and the Chuck Jones, Tom and Jerry era were my favorite fucking things. I thought they were great. I still think they're great. It was Uh just fun and enjoyable and pretty to look at. Kept you focused. I I still think that those eras are, are fair game to like dip back into Oh yeah, because like the only ones, like I said, I believe the only movies set in the seventies for Disney were The Rescuers, mm-hmm. and that didn't really reflect, except for Penny looking like a little kid from the seventies, I guess. But I mean, maybe there was this intentional thing they were trying to do, where it's like that's not the focus. It's like it would be more timeless if you if it's very vague as to what time period it actually is. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, Fox and the Hound takes place in 81. Nothing about that says 80s to me. Well, yeah, because it's, it's in a forest. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like bumfuck nowhere. Well, let's see. Like, the two things they put out in the 80s, they don't take advantage of it like that. The 80s is like one of the most recognizable time periods ever. I know, they could do, like, they could really easily do a gem in the holograms kind of shit. Both these times, they're, they're focusing on dogs hanging out with each other. Yeah. It was, it was their, uh, it was their animal period. As, as far as I'm concerned, that's, like, untapped. You know what? I agree. I agree. Yeah, like, especially 80s. I just, like, of course, 80s ran through my head, but that was, like, such an obvious thing. But, it, like, really, th- they already have... You know, in their library, one of the most recognizable 80s properties in Tron. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're not doing a whole lot with that. I would be cool if, like... Or I would be cool? Would you be cool? I would I would think it would be fun if they did anything with Tron. And, like, certainly something that celebrated the 80s. That'd be, like, a super easy way to get... You well, know, they tried to do there. that animated series, but it didn't go too well. Yeah, but that wasn't like that. That was like very much a cartoon series. <laughs> it, like, well, that, I think that's what it was supposed to be. No, that didn't like capture what the movie was. It was like it was serialized in a way where it's like this can be an ongoing cartoon show where we don't really address the the fun parts of the movie. We just like this is what the people in the computer are doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they didn't really, I don't feel like they touched on that enough to, like, represent it in an animated movie, especially. Just, like, the 20s, like, I feel like that was pretty untapped. Well, that's like a Tarzan, right? No, no, no. Tarzan was set in 1882, apparently. I don't know, I always thought that was, like, the 20s, like. Well, her her dress is very, like, England of the 1800s. That's fair game, too. I think maybe... Yeah, because, like, the other era I was... Because immediately I'm like, oh, what if they did, like, a Sherlock... Oh, that's Great Mouse Detective. Did the Great Mouse Detective (laughs) not take place in the 20s? What was Um, that? 
I don't know when that was. I was thinking was that, that even part of that timeline. I think you're thinking that like the portrayal of England at <laughs> in the twenties was different. <laughs> no. What did we watch today, Corey? Well, I'll tell you. Okay. We watched 1985, seven years in the making, 25th animated motion picture from Walt Disney, The Black Cauldron. The Black Cauldron. Hidden by darkness, guarded by witches, discovered by a boy, stolen by a king. Whoever owns it will rule the world or destroy it. Was that the whole tagline? The whole. That paragraph is a tagline. Jesus Christ. All right, Corey had never seen The Black Cauldron, and I was like, this movie is super spooky, so let's watch it. I was, like, real skeptical of this, because I thought, like, you were remembering this as there were spooky parts when I watched this as a kid. No. No. (laughs) Did you? What you didn't uh, convey was that, like, this movie plays out and is paced almost entirely as a horror film. There are jump scares in this film. <laughs> Literally. This movie terrified me when I was a child. It, just the look of it, the animation in itself is just so creepy. So, okay. You know, funnily enough, you bringing up the animation right off the bat, the first thing I thought looking at this was like, initially it was like, okay, this looks like Ralph Bakshi. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this looks like, what's his face? The uh, Pete's Dragon Man. Oh, fuck. Don Bluth. Don. He's even... Dragon Man. Don Bluth. Out of if you named any other one of his movies, I would have been like Don Bluth. But for some reason, I, I completely, I was completely null and void of the fact he had anything to do with that film. For some reason, I, so I was like, uh, I don't even who, know who did if he that? is like I, <laughs> I, I, Troll in Central Park. No, uh, no, no. He probably did, but like, so I, 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 I thought, I thought Ralph and I thought Don and um, a little touch. I little come touch. to find out that. Both of them were approached to make this movie, and both of them turned it down. Yeah, all right. And like, they they whoever picked it up was very inspired. They went to Ralph solely because he had just done uh, Wizard and The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So you so they're like obviously do this this one. This is what we're trying to do. It's the Dark Age, and we're trying to do. He literally said, "This is too dark. This is not going to work." I'm not doing it. I feel like this movie <laughs> was too dark, and that is why it did not do so well. It was, it's so, it's literally set in the dark age. It's so dark. <laughs> um. Well, uh, I mean, I from what little insight I picked up, like, Disney knew about this the whole time. But apparently over the, what was it, seven years that they were making this, there was this, uh, changeover in management and this new um i don't know what they're called producer this team leader guy (laughs) management 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 man he like he was very skeptical about this and he didn't like this movie and so when they initially opened it up for like test screenings didn't do they they remarked on an exodus of mothers with crying children they said at one point one mother left with a crying child, then another, then another, then several at once. And this was all during the sequence when dead corpses of soldiers are brought back to life. Which, by the way, what we saw in this was a heavily edited version of what originally happened. And there are deleted scenes of this which have been buried. Oh, God, I want to find it. Because they were too horrific. And you can find screenshots of this. Oh. Um, very specifically, there's there's a point where a, a skeleton man comes to life. And there's like this just, you know, one of the villain's goons. He's like, oh. And so the skeleton man like touches him. And there's, you, you can find like these two cells of animation. That's like all that's left from that. But the man, like, his skin, like, erupts in, like, lacerations and boils, and then, like... Like the plague? Yeah, and then it <gasps> rots, and he becomes a skeleton man, and then the skeleton man comes to life. Oh, <gasps> that's horrific! It was, it sounds terrible, oh, it looks God. terrible, 
Oh my god. Okay, look. And well, after okay. that screening, they the MPA gave them a PG thirteen, so they cut out like fifteen minutes to get PG. Fifteen minutes worth of like fucked up stuff. Look, if you brought your kid to this movie, they would be terrified. Oh, like I was when I was younger. This movie's terrifying. The plot of this. Let's set it up. Set it up. Did you know it was based on a book? Um. Yes and no. Very loosely, though. Very like, loosely. They don't yeah. follow it. It's called the Chronicles of Prydain. Yes. Um, which were five books that they put in one. Exactly. Which is why I will break down my opinion. Um, but first, the synopsis. The synopsis, real tight, real clean. Okay. It is during the Great, a great war going on in this medieval time where the Horned King who is a very, very bad man, is searching for the mystical black cauldron. Because with the black cauldron, it obtain, you obtain great evil power to rise up a dead army. Do they say why way. he's a scaly man? No, because it's medieval no, times. It's mysterious. He's just also a skeleton. He's just also a skeleton. How does he have his powers? Um, He's probably just an ancient evil dude. They just like... Dark Tower this. Let me tell the synopsis. <laughs> so, the Great Horde King is looking for the cauldron. The only person that can help him find the cauldron is a little pig who has, like, psychic powers. Her name is Henwen. She's just a little pig. And she has two keepers, a very old man, and then the assistant pig keeper, Taran who is, he wants to be this great warrior and wants to go out and fight an army because, you know, that's, you know, he's a little kid wanting to be a knight. Bitch. Yeah, he's a bit Can much. I interrupt you in a way because I feel like it is easy to simplify it as the only way he gets this cauldron is the pig. But I like that something they worked in that was like, you know, it was never really addressed, but it's obvious is that, like, this guy was just collecting magical objects and, like, hoarding them. He's like, one of these will help me. Yeah, they, that's basically it. He's finding different tales of, like, this This will help you find... They don't even the tell you what that magic harp does. I mean, like, it's obvious what it does. But it's like, they don't ever say, this is a Pinocchio harp. If he hears that you have something that has special magical powers, then he wants it. Right. And he somehow found out about this pig... And specifically, this pig has extra shit because this was one of the first things I was like, "This is how far into I'm gonna get into this right now. How far into Lord of the Rings are we willing to go?" Look. So he sees that they're using the pig. Yeah, in his mind, uh, he he knows that Frodo put on the ring, and so for that moment, he sees him. Okay. The look, eye is on him. Okay. Look, you're misunderstanding. Because he doesn't see. How does he know then? They use that the pig's old powers. Man, the old man has a big mouth or something. He told somebody. Somebody else knows about the pig. No, because no, 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 no. Henwen was just predicting the information that the old man didn't know. And the old man was like, okay, he's really looking for the cauldron. And then it showed Henwen. And he's like, oh my god, he knows about the pig. And then he was like, stop predicting shit. We got to get you out of here. No, I read this as because you're predicting right now, he can see you. So Mm-mm. stop predicting, Mm-mm. which Mm-mm. is why. No. When, no, no. Which is why. What's his main main man's name? Tar- Taran? Taran. Tar- which is why the second he's left alone with the pig, he lets the pig see the future and the pig is immediately stolen. He doesn't let the pig see the future. He's just looking in the water and daydreaming. No, they were both in the water at the same time. Oh, he's tripping, y'all. No, no, no. They were both... He's tripping, y'all. Baby. baby. (laughs) Okay, look. He stoops down to get a drink of water. And the only way this pig sees into the future is when he's, his face is in water. Okay. So he sees this image of him as a, a guy the with a sword. The only way the pig sees the future is if you do the swirly thing in the water and you say the little goddamn rhyme that you have to say. I don't think so, baby. This pig is naturally gifted. 
You gonna argue on on the rules of making the pig see the future? Yes, because they, that pig can if, see the future okay, all the time. Okay, okay. That's why it started okay, squealing sh- when he was washing him, because he was seeing hey, it hey. actively. If that was the case, then the Horn King wouldn't have needed Tauron to get the pig to tell him where the cauldron was. What are you talking about? They're trying to make the pig predict and. But he didn't want to because he was scared. He didn't want to help them. That's why he needed... First of all, Henwin is a lady. <laughs> he, Henwin needed Tyron to be like, oh, okay, it's cool. And do yeah, the swirly thing and say the rhyme. That's just like... Placebo? Yeah, that's like common it down. Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. So basically, Tyron's task is to take Hen- Henwin away and hide her. Immediate. Immediately, Immediate this pig up. gets fucking snatched, right? Tauron's having a daydream. The pig they go gets a couple snatched. yards into the woods. Oh my god, it is just—it's too much. Okay, the thing about this movie, and this is how you know that it's five, bo- loosely based on five books put into one, is that it moves so fast, so fast. It's like keep up. We don't have time for you to really know these characters. We're just doing it. Bing, bang, boom, bang, bing, boom, boom. It's like. Tauron immediately you meet him and he's like I want to be a warrior no you have to guard the pig one day you'll find out why she's special and then literally two minutes later it's like oh wait let me show you what she does yeah they didn't uh, dangle that carrot for very long no they don't dangle a carrot with this entire movie okay at all because then literally five minutes after that Henwen is getting snatched up by the Horn King's dragon that was sent out to find Henwen. Because Tauron's like distracted by the world and his little daydreams, and Henwen goes running into the forest. Because if he was just daydreaming, they depicted it the same way they depict the premonition, which was it appearing in water. Okay, well, baby boy is not going to be a great warrior. He was a kid in. Really? in He's a, brave. He could do it. He was a kid in a night suit. I initially like it wasn't like when you grow up. It was like a a boy in man's clothing. But he could do that because he's got a magic sword. Spoiler. He actually doesn't. Spoiler because the witches still have that. Yeah, that was him denying his destiny. He gave up his dreams so he could get the little fucking golem back. Well, it wasn't real destiny then. The he had magic the, to change the, destiny. The pig is a lot telling lies. He denied the prophecy. He's getting so heated over here. Okay, are we going to talk about... I'm trying about... to read a Wikipedia synopsis to make sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, to make sure that you're arguing with me for a good reason. This is so big. <laughs> I know. And the fact that you're even trusting Wikipedia, I don't take Look how quickly we glance over that detail. In the land of Prydain, Terran is an assistant pig keeper on the small farm of Cardalben, home of Dalben, the enchanter. Dalben learns that the Horned King is searching for a mystical relic known as the Black Cauldron, which is capable of creating an invincible army of undead warriors. Dalben fears the Horned King may try to steal his pig, Henwin, with his oracular powers and use her to locate the cauldron. That's it. Where does he learn that? And how does he actually know? He's only told one other human being in the world and he's in that room whispers and murmurs or maybe he does maybe one of the other magical things he has this enchanter man is not varies he's a a guy that lives in the forest maybe one of the other magical things the horn king has helps him figure out that there's a more magical thing he needs the magical things there's never a point where the horn king's sitting there and he's like i can see you Bruh. You know what I mean? He seems relatively just like, I'm here. It could have been explained away with like him looking in a fucking mirror or something. Like, I can see somehow. Somehow I have learned this information. It could have been explained away, but they want the mystery. He just sud- the enchanter man suddenly knows. says, <gasps> he knows. And I don't know why, but he knows. He does. That's what I'm saying. He's looking for it. Are we going to talk about the most shameful thing of this movie? Uh... I, I want to say what it is, but I forgot its name already. Gurgi. Okay, there you go. Gurgi. Gur- okay. A.K.A. Smeagol and Gollum. Um, no, that's that's Gollum. I realize, obviously, they got the jump on the voice, which is exactly Gollum's voice. 
<laughs> which would be one thing. It would be one thing if, like, oh, that's funny, like, some other asshole used that voice a, a, a decade or so before. But the the speech, the behavior, the motivations, that is, like, all Gollum in every sense of the word. The only difference is that he is redeemed. And, by the way, his redemption is jumping into something that is on fire. Which is the same way he dies when he is not redeemed. <laughs> is literally the the other side of the coin well, of Gollum. Well, um, yeah, it basically it is in a way. So here's the thing: Hedwig gets stolen, and which, by the way, harrowing. Yeah, that was awful. It was also very frightening. The whole movie is frightening. The whole scene of Henry squealing. And, like, running through a meadow, this, like, torn-up meadow while these two, like, fucking Nazgul's... Nazgul's. They are, are Nazgul. ...are trying to, like, snatch her up is horrific. And they get her, and then immediately Tarn's like, alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this fucking castle, that's what I gotta do. And Gurgi's over there like, oh, don't do it. Why is he, why is he Mexican? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> fool, don't do don't it. Don't go in there. Uh, uh, I, I started doing it, I was like, don't do that. Um, he's just like, there's no my friends or whatever. Like you can't go in there. I can't do a golem voice. It's gonna be bad. Can um, I, like, he's just like he's useless throughout the whole movie. He doesn't need to be there. The whole time I was thinking, why didn't Taron just they just show him jump into the bucket? Then the other two characters are responsible for bringing him back. Um, we'll get there. So he immediately goes there. Gurgi takes off. Whatever. Fuck it. Fuck Gurgi. And immediately, uh, this is how fucking dumb Taron is. All right, Taron, 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 Taron. Let's just go with Taron. I keep changing. Let's just go with Taron. So this is how dumb Taron is, right? He gets into the castle, sneaks his way into the castle. There's like a big meeting going on, and the Horned King comes out, and the pigs brought him out, and immediately Taron's like. Henwin! <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Like, He's supposed what? to be sneaking around what here. What the actual fuck? And he, like, falls into the middle of the room like a dipstick. Falls into, like, a fucking wheelbarrow and then, like, drops a... I don't know. I was like, what the Pickaxe. shit are you thinking? Like, best case scenario here is that Henwin, like, just fucking sticks her face in a bowl and if if, if what you're saying is true, it just predicts it. And then they fucking throw her in the dungeon. But instead you gotta peep up and then they're threatening to kill the pig so that you'll get her to tell him what he wants. And it's dumb as fuck. And that's basically what happens. There's a lot of him just like getting caught. Getting caught up. <laughs> it's a lot of him getting caught up because then the pig gets away. He somehow gets Henwin to escape, but he gets thrown in a dungeon. And while he's in the dungeon, he meets... I'm gonna, I was gonna say Eowyn. Uh, what's her name? Elon El Elonwi. Elonwi. Elonwi meets Princess Elonwi. Could they not have just named her Beth? Like, what the fuck with this shit? Well, I'm assuming they all have like Welsh names. Yeah, well, which is one of the few things that like I thought added a whole lot of character to it. Yeah, but no one kid is gonna remember that. Well, they're gonna remember Flueldor Flam. Fluter Flam, like Flute Flam. So, we didn't even bring up that. That was also with the third character. <laughs> yeah, well, he's important. I we guess. just started getting there. So, Alonwi, Princess Alonwi, has some magic fucking orb. Who, Which I like her as a character. She was cute, but she has this magical orb that I still don't know what it does. Uh, it was a, it was just a bauble that created light. Yeah, just created light. So she finds, uh, Taryn and releases him, and then they find Flutterflam. Who Fluter Flam has a little harp that when he lies a string breaks. He's very very comedic character. I liked yeah. him. There was a lot of characters. That was the thing. There's a lot of characters, and they didn't. I don't think they needed as many, but I liked the other two. I liked Fluter Flam and Elanwi. They were a cute crew, and they get out of the castle. They somehow escape. And while they escape, 
Taran finds his like magical ass sword, comes upon it. On robs him. a grave. Pretty much, he just robs a, a dead man, and uses his magical sword that's like super badass in combat. And they There's get out of the castle. Really, like, I feel like the tone they were going for in this moment was fun. Yeah. But there is something incredibly unsettling about this moment when, like, Taryn is a kid. He's got to be, what, like, 16? At and, least and 10. So, and so he's in this very grave, dangerous situation where... And he's like, ah, the sword! <laughs> they, they, they make pains to show, like, this is a, a real Adult danger. ass. Just a sequence where they pan over all of the the rogues gallery of goons and villains that this guy is leading, like this this these seem like terrible murderous people, and and you get that, and so this kid is given a magical sword which is clearly very powerful and it makes somebody afraid who like tries to kill him he breaks his axe with it and he's like oh shit I don't like this and he runs off and that kid just regresses like eight years and is just happily and joyfully swinging around the sword laughing to himself and it it lasts a while yeah and it's what i thought was like dude like fucking go they're good someone else is gonna show up what if like five of them show up you tell me that sword can handle it that is you don't know that a very anakin skywalker moment where he is just overjoyed by his own power joy by the power and like a power that's not his either it's just him waving around an AK-47 in medieval times. It's like, I have this ridiculous overpowered stick, and that makes me really happy. <laughs> well, I mean, either way, that that part is disturbing. Don't get me wrong, like most of this movie. They escape, they get out, and the Horn King's like, all right, let him find the pig, because when he finds the pig... I'll get the pig back, basically. <laughs> he fucking tosses that pig off the castle. Yeah, the whole way he gets Henwin to escape before he gets locked up is he just chucks her over the castle it wall. It looks there's like, some that distance. That pig is dead. Like that pig is dead. He just, goes swimming. It a a human couldn't survive that. Well, good thing she's a little pig. Just like a little fleshy bullet. So yeah, they escape and they fall into a whirlpool. That was by far the most unnecessary part of this movie. They fall into a whirlpool down into this weird under a lake fairyland with these little fairies that in turn help them find the black cauldron. By the way, removed from this film was a song that the fairies sang. Thank the Lord <laughs> that we did not have I did not like the way they were animated and this especially frustrated me because the last thing we see in this film, this huge adventure, this fantasy epic, the last thing we see is a dumb fairy going, yep, credits. The last shot is a fairy going, yep. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's the thing I don't get, right? They get, they fall into the whirlpool, they meet these fairies, and the fairies are like, what's good, right? And they're like, oh, oh, hey. <laughs> oh yeah. The, and they're like, we're, uh, we're trying to find a pig. And they're like, oh, it's your pig? Oh, we got a pig. <laughs> we got that pig. Oh, did I not mention we got a pig? Did we not mention that we found that pig? And so the, the hen's there. And then they decide, you know what? Fuck this shit with hen. It's not even about hen. It's about- Remove this character from this story. Take this piglet out because- We'll make sure it gets home. It's about the cauldron. Back to the name of the movie. It's about the cauldron. So we're going to find the cauldron and we're just going to destroy it. And the fairies are like, all right, that's cool. By the way, we know where it is. We know where it is because we're ancient ass fairies <laughs> who just happen to know shit. We got all the good tea. We got all the good gossip. Like both sides of this fight don't know where it is, but oh yeah. We do because we're fucking fairies. Of course we do. Yo, we you were, there was even this exchange that was like, hey, that's where you remember where we put that cauldron? He's like, yeah, I think it's over here. All right, why don't you take them over there? Yeah, they were basically like, yeah, uh, that was in that really creepy swampland place. I'll, I'll take it there. So they take, the fairies take them there, and they go, oh, we'll get the pig home. Don't worry about it. 
So the pig was, is gone. As they were floating up back to the surface, they're like, oh no, Henwin's not coming with us. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. We got it. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> like, we'll, we'll get her home. We'll take care of it. So the fairies also don't tell them that it's like, oh, this place we're taking you is this really scary swampland. And the cauldron is actually inside the house of these three really evil bitch ass witches. They were fun. I like the witches. The witches were hells of fun. They were a highlight of this movie. They had they all were different designed and they had their own little personalities and one of them was very voluptuous and is like trying to get at Fluter Flam. It's probably in any Disney film the most titty you're gonna see. Yeah, it's a lot of titty. Oh, I guess outside of Dragon Slayer. <laughs> Which was real titty. This no, was that animated. Was real. This is the most animated titty you're gonna see. So we spent a lot of time as a frog in between them. In them titties, yeah. Their whole thing is they turn people into frogs. And I was like, "Wow, you're still doing this." <laughs> she at that one frog still in there. At one point, when the witches turns Fluter Flame into a frog and is like, "We're gonna eat this frog," and she's like, "No, you're not." And then he falls in between her boobies, and he's just kind of like chilling in there. He's like setting up shop. Yeah, there's like enough time for him to be like. Oh boy, this circumstance and stuff. I'm gonna look around while I'm still in these titties. Yeah, it was it was a quirky little bit, but basically the witches are like, "Oh, you want that cauldron? Okay, give me your sword. We'll do a bargain." And so they do that, and then they go. By the way, there's no way to destroy the cauldron so, unless a person willingly steps into it, and it doesn't destroy it. It can never be destroyed. The only way to get rid of the evil it will bring is for a human sacrifice basically for a person to literally willingly jump into the cauldron and sacrifice themselves to get rid of the evil that it brings up and they're like um what and right at that moment the cauldron gets fucking stolen by the goons like the goons all show up and they're like by the way we were here the whole time i don't know how they tracked them so well but they did and no now shit. they're all back to square one. They're all captured in the castle. And then the most horrific scene in the entire movie happens. The Horned King raises a fucking army of the dead. And it is goopy. And it is green. <laughs> and it is foggy. It's... And it is misty. And it is horrific. If, if we're to take this out of the context of Disney, like, it's actually really awesome. Like, it's super metal. Uh, it's hella metal. Even, like, the I'm opening not... where he was like, to be my cauldron born. Yeah, I mean, that shit was cool. Don't get me wrong, the lore of this movie is amazing. But there's just, there's parts that are really cool, and there's parts that's like, don't show a kid this. Yeah, they, they like, um, there are some things they really like to focus on, which are, like, not the things that are typically okay to put in a children's film and i feel like they should have known that that's what i'm saying i feel like they should have taken the pg-13 rating and just made this like a young adult i movie. think that may have been like the original intention that they were like okay if this is pg-13 it's pg-13 but when they had that crossover i think people were not the new people were not okay with that they're like, no, I want little piss babies up in here. And it did not work out because even the soundtrack to this movie, which I thought was pretty bomb. Uh-huh. The, one of the first scenes you get is them introducing the Horn King. And it's like, it brings up their castle. And it's like. The introduction of him is, is like stunning. It is stunning because it zooms from his castle to his front door to his like door to his bedroom. To like the back of his head in like his immaculate horns in this robe with the fur lining. And it's like, this character is wonderfully put together. See, this is like a a look that can never be replicated now. Because this was mm-hmm. right at a, like an animation breakthrough that they had that was very momentary. This was right after the, the the so-called like Xerox era, which yeah. which were was was like the depression, I think was it was actually called, where they would like actually photocopy things, so everything looked kind of like muddy. Yeah. But they had developed this way of using film like a like video camera 
to replicate images and so like it has that very like crisp rotoscope you look to it but it's clean yeah i was about to say the etching on those lines are just like it's like it's very for the most part it's like really seamless there are some kind of like uh smudgy looking bits of it this is like like the first introduction of computer tinkering so there was like actual programming into making things move flawlessly in my mind personally he's one of the most stunning villains oh yeah visually just stunning there are moments when they like focus in on his face though where i'm like i like it more when you like don't don't open your eyes. Yeah, his eyes are goofy. His eyes are goofy and his mouth is a little goofy, but that's only like Once we get in space, he looks like a He-Man villain. Yeah, that's uh only when he gets like upset towards the end. He's trying to be all like ah and he goes like rage because he raises this army and he's like I'm going to the top of my tower and I'm going to watch my army take over the world. And while that's happening, of course, the little guys escape. And Gurgi goes, I don't have any friends. You have friends, Taran, because Taran is going to, like, Taran. We say Taran? God damn it. Whatever you want, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter at this point. Who the fuck cares about him? Uh, Taran is like, I'm going to jump into this cauldron because I got to stop this evil army and it's not okay. And Gurgi's like, I don't really have friends. You have friends. And he jumps in the cauldron. He straight ices himself. (laughs) He ices himself. And... The army dies, basically. Yeah. And then they the, didn't even get out off the bridge. And the, they were dead. The thing is, like, the cauldron wants to suck in the evil it created. So it's trying to suck in all these dead things. And also the horned king who summoned the evil. See, this is like one of the goofier mistakes that, it, from what I've read, sounds like was because of the edits that they had to do. As it is, I think it's a dumb ending because they just kind of like wobble around and then the Horn yeah, he King doesn't, goes Yeah, he in. doesn't even fight the Horn King. The Horn King just kind of gets sucked in by force. There was literally a a fight scene between the two that led in Terran overpowering him and getting him in the cauldron. That would have been way cooler. Like, as it is, it's like they're both just kind of hanging on to stuff. Yeah, they're both just it trying not to go in. It feels very awkward. It is. It's like he didn't really do anything. You didn't defeat the evil. It just kind of like... And he, there's even a point where he's like, no, so. you're coming with me. And then he just like gets away. And then he's like, oh, now I'm getting sucked in more. He's like, no, you can't take me. And then he's... the That part was metal, though, when he's like gripping the edge of the cauldron. Oh, yeah. And it's literally ripping his skin off of his hands. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That's raw. His like green fleshy bits of skin are just ripping off of yeah. him and you see nothing but bone underneath and then he gets his robe overtakes him and he just goes into the fucking pot. And they escape the castle as the castle is crumbling and the witches turn up and they're like, "Well, since you don't need this cauldron anymore, I guess we'll take it back." And they're like, "Nah, let's do a bargain." And they offer the sword, and Taryn's like, no, I want Gurgi back. <laughs> and TBH? Oh, I've taken the sword. Uh, yeah. I was I was a little relieved when Gurgi jumped into the pot, because Gurgi was annoying as shit. And the most useless character I've ever seen in my life, I think his only purpose was to jump into that pot. <laughs> yeah, that was like the one redeeming thing he did. They're like, we're going to make you like all these other characters. And apparently they really want you to like Gurgi enough to want him back. And in my mind, I'm like, he's been a jerk this whole time. It's like, you can't even paint. It's like, I just want friends. He just wants like food and shit. He doesn't really want friends. And then they asked for him back. I don't get it. Yeah, I feel like that should have been Terran. Yeah, if Terran had jumped into the pot, as dumb as he is, you would understand because it makes sense with his character. Yeah, and, and then he would like, truly be a hero. He would truly be a hero. They would have given Even him back. at the end, he says, I'm not a hero. Gurgi was a hero. So it's like, yeah. so you don't have a hero's journey then? Like, this movie what's going would on? have been immensely improved if Gurgi just didn't exist. <laughs> immensely. Uh, it seems like... I read in a in a forum that Gurgi as a character wasn't Gollum like he didn't have that you know hobbitsy way of speaking he just was like a mountain woodsman he was like a yeti man that could talk yeah and they made him into a creepy little muppet 
They made yeah. him look like a little Shih Tzu dog come to life. It was weird. Um, one of the other things that they apparently had to edit away was Elon Wei. Is that her name? Elon Wei. Elon Wei. Was apparently there were some moments when like her dress was like ripped up and they didn't want. Her dress ripped up? Her dress ripped up. I thought it was also interesting that there's like two seconds of Terran bleeding. Yeah, there's the part where he falls in the meadow when Henwin gets taken away and his mouth bleeds a little bit. There's actual blood dripping out of the cauldron at one point too, which is crazy. Mm. That shit was crazy too. Do you want to see that um, that cell that exists? Yeah, of that show me it. I want to see it. But yeah, I think overall the pacing of this movie was just too quick too. Everything moved too fast and I didn't really get to know the characters as much as I wanted to. And even at one point, it's like Taryn and Elanwi get into this weird little fight for like two seconds and she like walks away from him and she's crying by a tree and he comes and he's like, hey, and she's like, you know, we have to work together. And it's like over. I. It's the most weird, like awkwardly paced. I thing. legit think that there is a that or there was a pretty good movie in in here because there are like tons of elements of it that work, but it does feel really poorly paced. And there's like a lot of important things to a story that need to be there that feel really awkwardly skipped over. Like, it sounds like they just wanted it. They just wanted less of the movie. Like, maybe not so much. There's gross parts. There's scary parts. And we need to trim it down. But at what cost? It it sounds like this management man, (laughs) like, just wanted less of the movie. Do you think 15 minutes would... How much do you think 15 minutes would fix? And I'm not talking about, like, whole scenes being put into place. Just, like, overall, if there were 15 more minutes to play with. It could help if you removed Gurgi. For sure, but that's a big ask. It's a big ask, but if you removed him and you focused on your main characters, made it PG-13, and just made it in a teen adult cartoon, which could sell for them if they really wanted it to, I think it would have been way better. I'm very curious why they even tried to do this. They pitched it as a kid's film, and that was their mistake. That was their mistake. Because this is not a kiss film. This could be a really cool, like, Lord of the Rings-esque film. It like it has so much potential. I, I'm saying, I don't think when they first set out to make this, they were like, this is going to be, as we've done before, a kid's film. Because they devoted man hours to, like, horrific shit. They were like, this is what it's going to be. And then they said, and then somebody approached them to be like, this needs to be a kid's movie. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, we'll make this... Thing we've spent seven years making that's not a kids movie into a kids movie and even after what they did it still doesn't feel like a kids movie no and that's the thing i feel like the original mindset of this was to be a direct competitor with the lord of the rings movie that came out in the 70s i feel like this was their play on it you know, straight up i mean like they bought the rights to this book series that's like very lord of the ringsy and lord of the rings was pretty big at the time you know, while you're over there filling up water, I'll bring up another point. Paige's over there getting some water. But it's just you and me now. It's uh, it's Cory cast time. So, y'all been watching this. Uh, okay, never mind. She's coming back. Okay, you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that makes me think that the 15 minutes could fix a few things is that one of the things that they cut out was just a scene where I'm assuming it's like when the witches give them the cauldron. There's a scene where Taryn tries in vain to destroy the cauldron. And I feel like that's just one thing that's like when you're watching this initially, you're like, well, why didn't they try to destroy it? They're just like, they're given it and then immediately told they can't destroy it. You don't get that beat where you're like, all right, they're going to destroy it. Oh, why can't they destroy it? Right when they show you this idea, they take it away. So it feels really awkward, and I feel like if we could tweak 15 minutes worth worth of things like that, maybe. Yeah, and like take out the weird pacing snippets that they do. Yeah, it's like a lo- the, the way a lot of people have found out why things are missing is because the, sa- the soundtrack that you can get is like, it's like a different runtime. Mm. So like it, it plays out, you know, like through sound movie, but there's like all these blank spots, and um, I will show you... 
it's only like three or four animation cells and one of the or, or one or a few of them are like even missing the uh the backdrop to it but just the fact that somebody saw this through and was like this will be okay really shows you like they were not thinking of making a children's movie oh oh that's so gnarly <laughs> Because I think in... That is gnarly. There's no way they ever intended that to be for children. They, I think they just, like, they cut away when the guy jumps on them, and then they cut to the reaction of, like, oh. Yeah, they do. There is no plague man like that. That was more gruesome than I even imagined. It's very detailed. It's so gruesome. It would have been glorious. <laughs> if, if this if they had done this movie right that's what i'm saying if they had just done this if they had just done this as not a pg movie i think it would have been vastly more successful for them but the that turnover of management for them really fucked it over it really hurts this movie that there is no so much that there's no confrontation between the hero and the villain yeah especially that because you don't get that like I don't feel like Taron did anything. I don't feel like he won the day, really. No, he didn't. He got captured, and then Gollum jumped in a bucket, and then they lived. <laughs> oh, it's just a shame because there's there's so many like little things about this movie that I really like. Yeah, like the animation and the whole vibe of it. It's a spooky ass film. It's medieval. It's metal. It's gorgeous yes gorgeous it's just it falls short it falls so short because it feels rushed and it feels ill-paced and this was also a time when animated feature-length films were not put back in an editing bay and like edited that way this was very much one of the first times this happened where an animated film was like cut because there's there's infamously deleted scenes from like snow white and stuff but that that was like in the beginning removed yeah like through the course of its production it wasn't an afterthought so like i can't imagine how how difficult it must have been to go back into it and alter it and alter it seamlessly well i can't imagine how shitty that must have been for him to have worked on this for almost seven years and be told now i'm gonna cut it up yeah. So cut it up. There were like plans of pre-production as far back as like the early 70s. This movie is like known as the biggest flop for Disney that has right. like ever been. And a lot of people think that because it's one of few movies that they never tried to run again. A lot of people thought they essentially were trying to hide it. Well, I don't blame them because it's completely mismarketed. Yeah marketed as for kids because there's this fluffy little dork ass character in it i would be so cool if we could find like a cut of this without the soundtrack and then we could replace it with like i don't know why the first thing that came to mind was ghost (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's true it could it could work it could definitely work i just want to see it cut to that now in general like i'm an amv of that give me a page rating God, that's hard. I was thinking about it. I was already thinking about it. I'm going to give it 4 out of 10 munchies and crunchies. <laughs> 4? Yeah. Because I'd give it 5, but Gertie. Gertie knocks it down another point. I I like that pig. Like, I like the princess. I just feel like they're not done justice. No, I really love the animation. I love the soundtrack. I love a lot of things about it. And another very, very, uh, the Hobbit, Lord of the Ringsy thing. They did to that pig what they do with Gandalf. Where Gandalf's just like, you know what, I'm gonna, like, head out. I'm gonna fall back. <laughs> you guys go on. I'm gonna fall back real quick, and then I'll come back later. Don't worry, guys. You want to get some Disney news? Yeah, give me, give me one or two. All right, here's, here's one for you. They are talking about putting in a little Indiana Jones mini area or world. What, in Disneyland? In uh, 
in the in Disney World. Okay. In the studios. I'm skeptical area. of that. I don't know what you're really gonna do with it. You know what I'm saying? Does that like does that franchise resonate with kids anymore? Uh, they're gonna try to make it with Indiana Jones Five. Yeah, kids want to go see super old Harrison Ford fight Nazis or something. I know, right? That well, that sounds like a franchise for dad. I mean, isn't it already pretty much a mini area with waiting in line for the ride? For real. The it's the most interactive, cool ass wait for a ride ever. I think that's all you need. Like, what does that even entail? What's an Indiana Jones world? I, I love know. that ride, but I think Disney missed out on their opportunity to Star Warsify. The Indiana Jones world. Yeah. I think they really missed their shot to make that like a, a lasting thing that people are into. It's been too long since Crystal Skull and... And nobody liked that one. And Shia was in that. No offense, Shia, but that was fucked up. I get like maybe a, like a Universal Studios thing or something. Well, that's kind of... It's, it's going to be at the um, studios area. Is that what that Studio is? Studio land or whatever. I don't know what they call it. I can't remember. But yeah, it's going to be there. I'm sure this is like an opinion that nobody shares. But I'm fine if they just pumped out those movies and didn't have Harrison Ford in them. Yikes. I know like the the, Well, like the the, the purveying opinion is he is Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. But it's like you guys can't have this franchise and have this dude like at death's door be what you're pinning it on. You're gonna have a. You're gonna need a backup plan. You need a replacement. If you're making Indiana Jones World, get that can, guy from Age of Adelaide out here real quick. You probably shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket that is plummeting to the ground in an airplane. He's been old for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And I'm fine if you want to do like the old timey serialized adventure thing. That's that's cool. It like it doesn't have to be just the one guy that does it. It's been a long time since uh. What what did they call? What is that movie called? It's like Finding Henry or something like that. Where he forgets who he is. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, J.J. Abrams wrote it. J.J. <laughs> watch, watch it be J.J. Abrams and blow your fucking mind. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to question It's just like... I'm going to fully question you on that, we, actually. We can have... Like, we have... there In the interim, there have been charming actors who could be Indiana Jones... Or just some, they could be Indiana Jones's friend. I don't know. They could take up the mantle. It's like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing that's just like the new one shows up, is handed the hat. I'm like, I'm not married to this franchise in any sense of the word. Regarding Henry, and it is J.J. Abrams. Oh, oh shit. shit! I never knew that. That's pretty thick. I'm a little turned on. No. <laughs> <laughs> At J.J. Abrams? At you remembering that information. Oh, um, Alright, another piece of Disney news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just need to find a charismatic young actor. Which they can do. They can do. I don't know. I don't feel like he's like as much Indiana Jones as he is Han Solo. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's who I think of him as. Yeah. And he's dead, so he's out of my mind. Damn. <laughs> Roasted. I've forgotten about you and your dead body. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, Died in the movies, dead to me. Dead to That's me. That's how it works. Wasn't there like years where everybody was saying Chris Pratt was going to be Indiana Jones? Yeah, I mean, I still buy it. He could still do it. I think he could still do it. I think he could do it right now. Don't tell Harrison, but he could take over right now. <laughs> Don't tell Harrison? Nobody but tell- anybody could have done that. Don't tell Harrison? But no. He ain't no Tom Cruise. Harrison Ford can't be climbing up buildings. Bring back Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> no, no, let Shia rest. R.I.P. Shia. I, th- I think it would be funny if they continued okay. making Indiana Jones movies, but there was this through line where Shia LaBeouf's character, what was his name, like Bull or something like that? I don't fucking remember. Something like that, but like he's continuously trying to be Indi- Indiana Jones, but circumstances keep preventing him from doing so. I just don't get who made the call. Like, you know who would be a great protege? Shia LaBeouf. Well, there was a that was at a time when like he wasn't publicly insane. Okay, that was but the he crossover. Was, he point, never though. struck me as a like charismatic, handsome leading man. Even in Transformers, no. I wasn't buying it. He was a little goofball. Well, I mean, 
I don't know if that was the plan because they even at the end of that last movie they like make a joke of it. He's like, he, I don't think so, but <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, and I'm saying like we they do, could have done that. We though, do another Indiana Jones movie, and another circumstance happens where he picks up that hat, and then like something knocks it out of his hand or something. And Harris is like, Oh no! Oh, Chris Pratt, give me back my hat, buddy! And he's like, I don't think so, Harrison. Your time's gone. Get back in your plane. And then you know he puts on a paper bag over his head and walks off screen. <laughs> All right, here's some. To keep with the spoopy times, Disney worker died after after a utility cart fell on him. When did this happen? On Monday. This was in July. Oh, okay. Continue. Walt Disney World worker was killed Monday when the utility cart he was working on jumped a curb, ran into a chain link fence, and then fell on him. What fell on him? The cart. You were talking about it, like a golf cart it thing. It jumped a car. It jumped a curb, ran into a chain link fence, and then fell on him. Wow. He had been working on the cart's battery. Was this while the park was open? I don't know. It was during the morning. So he was just like crushed by it. Another employee, Danny Vasquez, who was showing a new hire around, witnessed the incident. 20 yards away. Vasquez heard a screeching sound and turned to see a Toro utility vehicle drive up onto the curb and travel several feet into the fence before falling on top of the worker. Ojeda asked Vasquez to back the red cart off of him and then he said he couldn't breathe before he fell unconscious. That's horrific. Wait, so he ended up like under the cart while the cart was upright? I guess. Or maybe... So he managed to run over himself, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Like, this car was on its wheels, and he was underneath it. Yeah. And the guy tried to move the cart off of him, but it wasn't working, and then he couldn't breathe, and then he died. That's tragic. That's like that one... That's a rough first day at work. That's like, um... (laughs) Having to witness a man die. Oh, the the actor? The actor. Um, the one from Star Trek? Yeah, what was his name? There's a Y in it. Jan Yarin. Yelnats. Yeah. Stanley Yelnats. Don't be rude. Anton Yelchin? Oh, Anton Yelchin. How he ran himself over. Oh, that was so sad. I'm so proud of myself. I didn't even get there and I remembered. I It wouldn't work for me. That's so sad. That's so tragic. How do you run yourself over? Oh my god. Ah. He went out on top, though. He went out on bottom. Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) If you like this podcast, you can listen to us on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe as always. Subscribe as always. And um, share. Keep reaching for that Dole Whip flow. Keep reaching for it. And have Have a nice life. life. I'm so sorry, Anton. I'm so sorry.